The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thank you so much for tuning in to AM Live this morning. If you've just joined us, welcome to the show. It is time now for the Forum at 8. Now, with the recent killing of football player Senzo Meiwa, South Africans are once again reminded of the high crime stats in the country. According to the South African Police Services, at least 17,000 people were murdered in the past year alone. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we want to take a look, a brief overview and analysis of key crime trends in South Africa. And we also want to ask you, why are we not making inroads in the fight against crime? Now, we had invited uh, the South African Police Services, but they have uh, decided to decline our invitation at this point. But we are joined this morning by Dr. Johan Berger, who is a senior researcher at the Institute for Security Studies. He's also an expert on policing matters and a former cop himself. Um, Dr. Berger, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Yeah, thank you and good morning. And we also have with us uh, Dr. Don Pinnock, who is a criminologist at the Center for Criminology at the University of the Western Cape. And his field of expertise is gangs. Good morning, Dr. Pinnock. Hi, Sakina. Now, I just want to start off by... You know, just getting some clarity here. The question we are asking this morning is, why are we not making inroads in the fight against crime? And, uh, you know, someone might be sitting somewhere thinking, well, that may be your perception. It, you know, may be anecdotal. But is this, in fact, an accurate question to be asking, Dr. Berger? Well, it is a good question to ask. Um, and, of course, we we don't have time to to delve into all of this uh, into um, detail or the kind of detail that, that is necessary for a proper understanding of the situation. But just basically, I think we, in, in 1996, this country adopted a very good uh, national uh, crime prevention strategy uh, for reasons of um, finance, and commitment and and many others that strategy was eventually shelved which is a huge pity because i think that was the way to go we have to look at crime basically dividing it into two broad categories to uh, to understand wh- what is necessary and why we have to look uh, at more than just the police to 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 fight our crime successfully and the two broad categories are um, what we refer to as interpersonal crimes, such as murder, attempted murder, assault, sexual offences, and so on. And then the other broad category is uh, property and violent property-related crime. And here we look at the um, seven subcategories uh, of aggravated robbery, for example, where you would find... Uh, crimes such as bank robberies, cash and transit robberies, house robberies, street robberies, business robberies, uh, vehicle hijackings, and so on. Now, this crime category is the category where we believe the police should be uh, playing a much bigger role and where the police are currently not performing as well as they should. So on the one hand, I think we, we have reason to look at the police uh, critically uh, and and asking them why they are not performing as they should in these areas. And then on a broader uh, level, we need to ask questions about the absence of a national 
overarching national strategy that could include other government departments and 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 institutions that would deal with the other uh, crime category that relates to interpersonal crimes. Mm. We, we need to focus much more on uh, socio-economic conditions. So I think that is, for starters, what I would think uh, where our problem lies. Now, the police, unfortunately, not with us this morning. Uh, but uh, Dr. Pinnock, uh, just listening to what Dr. Berger was saying, um, if we look at the existing crime prevention measures, uh, what is your assessment of that? Look, I agree with uh, Johan. The, the, we've had a flip-flop in policing, and, and that's a real concern. There was a lot of uh, really enthusiastic and really deep thinking that happened uh, in the 1990s, and I think that the move to a sort of more military stance, a more aggressive stance, a shoot-to-kill stance, is, is uh, you know, at the moment the, on, in the police budget, I think something like $91 billion is allocated just for court cases against the police, to deal with court cases against the police. We've, they've become a very closed um, organization that, that, um, that is not uh, getting involved with the community, and, and really you can't, uh, run a, you can't run a police force without a very good community contact. So, you know, on the policing, there are many other re- reasons why there, there's a high crime rate. But in the policing area, I think that they are, that, I mean, a massive rethink is necessary. They, they're really not managing to, to, to do the work that they've been asked to do by the country. But, but uh, Dr. Pinnock, what about the perception that, you know, uh, that very hard stance by the police uh, perhaps was seen by the public uh, to be more successful? I mean, if you look at what's been happening on Twitter and other social networks uh, over the past 48 hours or so, people are saying, you know, perhaps we should bring back Peggy Taylor because uh, at least then the police were seen to be tough. They were seen to be doing something about the unacceptably high crime levels in this country. With all due respect, the public generally doesn't understand policing and what you need to do uh, to be a police force. Uh, that, that you can see when uh, people start saying, bring back the death penalty. Uh, the, the politicians listen to the public and they bring back harder policing, but the truth is that subtle, structured policing, a good detective department, uh, a relationship with a community where the community will tell the police where the problems are and work with them, is a much better strategy than hard crackdowns, police raids, um, you know, operations, uh, blanket policing. That actually puts the, the uh, backup of the community. People I work with have absolutely no respect for the police. And, I, you know, I have respect for many people in the police force. They're, they're very fine people. But as a force on the whole, uh, the heavy-handed stuff just doesn't work. You can't police 51 million people with 200,000 people without community cooperation. You can't do it by force. Mm. And speaking about community cooperation, um, if we just look at some of the most recent stats, um, uh, for the first time in six years, there's been an increase in both the number uh, and the rate of murders and attempted murders in uh, South Africa. And obviously, you know, this has the community uh, very worried uh, because murder, as uh, it has been stated, is the most accurate of all crime categories because, you know, the person is dead. You know you can count that body. But just staying with that and looking at the role uh, that the community can play in this, Dr. Berger, because in order for 
us to reduce crime in its entirety in this country, there has to be a productive partnership between law enforcement and the community. But why isn't this happening? Well, this this is a very interesting comment you are making. I think part of the problem, uh, there, there are two main, uh, let's say, main uh, causes of, of this situation where we do not have a, a, a an optimal utilization of a, a police community uh, cooperation or partnership. And the one is that given the fact that crime after 1994, instead of coming down as everybody expected with democracy, the, the um, new accountability of the police, legitimacy of the police, uh, it, you know, uh, contrary to the, the, the general and popular expectations, then crime started to increase quite rapidly and it reached its peak, in fact, in 2002-2003. And so at the time then, the police who started implementing community policing by 94-95 uh, they they were were queried. They were criticised by the new government about uh, the fact that they were seemingly powerless against these huge uh, uh, crime increases, and it reflected uh, reflected very badly on on the new democratic government. So, with these pressures, the police then appeared to move slightly away from a focus on the newly uh, adopted. Uh, concepts and principles of community policing towards the the more uh, familiar um, hardcore operational policing concepts. We had various police operations which eventually culminated in the national uh, crime combating strategy and operation crackdown and, and other operations such as that uh, since 2000. So there was almost a return to what the police knew best in terms of operational uh, policing um, but then something else started happening uh, in, in the last, let's say, the last decade almost, where there was a huge increase in, in uh, uh, public dissatisfaction, especially in poorer communities. We saw this with service delivery protests and so on. And the police then, again, required to deal with this upsurge in, in community protest action. And this contributed, in my view, to a large extent to a new um, alienation between uh, the police and, and uh, particularly those communities that needed their services most. So with these two uh, parallel trends almost, uh, what we are now seeing is that they, and of course there are other reasons as well, but there's a, a drop in, in, in uh, public confidence in the police uh, there's a, a new type of animosity developing which touches on the legitimacy of the police in communities, which means that communities are less inclined now to work with the police in many areas than they have been uh, in the period uh, immediately after 94. And that certainly doesn't bode well for our crime-fighting initiatives. Uh, if you've just joined us, welcome to the Forum at 8 this morning. The question we have for you today is why are we not making inroads in the fight against crime? And I also want to know, you know, as a society, broader society, what is the role that we ought to be playing in trying to combat uh, crime? And why are we not playing that role 
effectively. Our guest this morning, Dr. Johan Berger, as well as uh, Dr. Don Pinnock. And we did invite the South African police services to participate in this discussion, but they unfortunately declined. So we're going to take some calls now, 0891-104-208, and then uh, we'll get a response and continue the discussion. Let's speak to John in Zondi in Soweto. Good morning, John. Good morning. How is it? Well, and you? Uh, um, I would like to differ with your expect. In terms of, you know, if you want to deal with something big, you must start uh, taking in chunks and chunks and chunks. If we have strong, strong public information for uh, what we call this police, like Dr. Kerle has done, Minister Kerle, the crime was starting to be to subside with little things. Now they see that they started respecting uh, the barracks. As they do that, uh, huge crimes or big crimes, if you invite the parents, because they have a reputation, the operation crack down, the operation follow you, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It has been there and it has not been changed. Second point, I used to stay in, in Zondi, but I stay in, a, in suburbs now. Crime is very high because my neighbor doesn't know me and they don't know. There is no neighborhood watch. Then they come and say, we should patrol in the meetings. Well, how can I patrol if I don't know my diagonal neighbor how many are they because whenever i see something that is sinister i can call them and say what's happening fortunately my background allowed me to know my next door neighbor and diagonal neighbor so which simply means if i see something sinister i call him now uh, what you call there was a butler next door that guy did not like me and i thought that they, they were moving only to find that see police. Then I told him that I saw people, and he asked me about registration. I said, but I thought it was your people. Mm. Then he said the racist comment. What I'm saying, in Cuba and in Jamaica, there is no little crimes are not there because if I know you, you don't have a camera. All of a sudden, you have a camera. I'll ask you and tell the police that all of a sudden, he doesn't write and he has a camera. He cannot account. So okay. tourists in, in, in Cuba, they are, not, they are not endangered. So little crimes, I'm a parrot if they can deal with little crimes. And people will start respecting my parrots. And when oh. you involve my parrots in backlash and murder, they will, they will, they will crack the Okay. Thank you. Got you, John. And all of that needs to happen within the confines of the law, even by the police. Michael in Durban, good morning. Morning. Thank you for taking my call. I've got two things. Uh, firstly, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would give uh, the SAPS a 3 in uh, recruiting the right personnel. Because I think I think we can talk all we want now here. I think the problem is not actually up there. It's at the grassroots level. And I don't think much is really, really being done in terms of properly training our police officers. Because what we see, like, on a day-to-day, instead of them upholding the law, being exemplary, and sometimes they're actually very, very high in even intimidating road users. So those things there, you see, I think the personnel is wrong. And also, I also want to know from the guests, how effective is the internal faith in the police? Because we look at Amar, even like when we look at the killings, some of the people who are losing lives are actually being killed by police pistols. And some actually, I'm talking about when women and, and actually and children being killed by the police women personnel. So really, really, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a 3 on their recruitment basis.
Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Michael. Kolani, you're in Mtata. Good morning. Hi, Takena. Hi, Kolani. Hi. I think we need the, to engage the intelligence agency in, in South Africa at the moment, especially around the issue of the gun circulation. They've got the skills to be able to see where these guns are sought. They should be able to use their their skills around that and then work hand in hand with the police to find a way of getting uh, circulation of, of guns. And the other thing that we also need to look at is the fact that crime is also driven by greed and envy. A lot of uh, people do things because they want to be like someone else. That's just my comment. All right. Thank you so much, Kolani. George in KZN, good morning. Hi, George. Uh, as a society, we try to, to, to combat crime, to try to assist the police. Uh, on the weekend of the 20th of August this year, the, the thief uh, kicked the, uh, the door and, and beat my mother, and she couldn't see. And that thief uh, took the TV. Luckily, uh, uh, my sister's daughter identified the thief. We went there on that same Saturday and we looked for the thief. We told the police the, the case was opened and, and, and the police didn't do anything until on Tuesday, the neighbors and everybody, because the, the, the thief's mother uh, uh, also like assisted us because like he's the local thief that is known for all the crimes, all the time that the, the, the thieves are known in the area. But unfortunately, uh, the police uh, collaborating with the churches, they don't care because the jails are full. So they, they, they come out and then they go in. So we, we caught the thief, we handed uh, to the police, and we asked them that before the, uh, this thief gets a bail, he's got other crimes as well in that community we, we, must, we must know. Now from August up to today, we don't know anything. We don't know if he's out now or he's in, and, and my mother is... And that, that uh, girl there, they are scared there at home. Now we try our best to assist, but nothing is happening. Now the, the neighbors that were assisting us to catch the thief are saying, we were stupid, we were supposed to kill the thief. And I, I agree with the sentiments to say, at least when Peggy Kale was, 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 was in charge, at least we knew that the thief would be killed because the casting, casting heist dropped at that time because he told the police that when they catch these thieves uh, shooting people, the police must also shoot. Now they say, no, we must just kiss the thieves and take them to the police, but the police are not giving us feedback to say, this thief is still here and, and you must come and testify on the certain date or the, uh, he will get a bail or something. There's no feedback, nothing. Now I must take another off now at work and go and look for that thief I mean, I don't know what these uh, uh, experts that uh, are there, what do they want us to do? Okay, uh, George in KZN, clearly frustrated. This morning we are asking you, why are we not making inroads in the fight against crime? And uh, here's an SMS from Lumka. Lumka says, another talk shop, no real answers as usual. It's about time that decent people grew a backbone and demanded the return of the death penalty. Uh, this one, unsigned, says the police are not performing well in 
any category. In Grahamstown, we don't even try calling them and we rely on a local private security firm. And the sad part about that is I've heard this about uh, other towns as well. And then Squai in Bethel says the ANC governs this country. The ANC allows 47 people to be killed every day. The ANC must take responsibility for these killings and stop them. They shift money allocated for detective work to VIP protection units and that only protects ANC officials. Then some of the Facebook comments. uh, Begani uh, says, this society is bringing up broken men. No government uh, system can fix that. You can have policemen that shoot to kill, but that that is not enough. We need to fix our families. Ask Tutu Ndungwane Giane. They know where we went wrong as a society. Bonisani says, uh, do you know why our jails are overcrowded? It's because we do not have the death penalty. It is just a great shame that our government is busy dishing out T-shirts and food parcels and grants in an attempt to entrench their hegemony. Meanwhile, they neglect this enigmatic scourge of crime. And Malti Pella says, President Zuma made a mistake by removing General Begitele. He made people respect us, but now no one is giving the SAPS respect and we have have catered and put a red carpet for criminals. Bring back Tele. And then just a few tweets um, before our panel responds. Uh, Radu Somatota says, uh, communities are to blame. We know who the criminals are, but we don't speak out. And Johnny Michael Musa's contribution this morning, he says, for as long as the majority of the youth remain unemployed, crime is here to stay. It is simple to figure that out. Now, let me just get back to the panel very quickly. Uh, Dr. Pinner? <laughs> There's a lot of um, questions and a lot of issues there. Um, just a few things. Look, the biggest crime in the country in terms of cost is not uh, contact crime. It's money laundering, which runs to trillions. Um, but there are a couple of issues just generally that, that cover quite a few of the, 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 the people uh, coming in asking questions. Uh, one, um, just to start with the back there, youth unemployment, you know, um, half the kids who start mat- uh, school uh, don't get to matric. So you get a very high number of people who are called meets, not employed, not in education, not in training. And where I work with gangs, these kids are on the street. They've got nothing to do. The, the second point about all of that is that about half the kids in the, the, I know in the, the Western province are being brought up in single-parent families, and mostly it's the father who's departed. And young men without a father, um, there's a problem there. And just a, a, a third point is is that we live in a consumer society that links stuff with status. And if, if you're poor and if you don't have access to stuff, you don't have status. So, so you know, these are areas that are not really to do with policing, they're to do with society. In a sense, society prepares the crime and the criminal commits it. So much of the work I do is looking at the context in which crime takes place rather than, um, you know, the, the actual kids themselves. And, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the problem with looking at the kids is, or, or the people who are committing the crime um, is, is that you miss some of the bigger points, like the fact uh, somebody pointed out the police are not trained. We've got 200,000 police. They're, they're very new recruits. They're not getting decent training. People coming tra- straight out of police college and becoming detectives. They really don't know what to do. And that's why we've had the growth of, I think it's something like three and a half or four to one of private security against police. 
So just a couple of points that mm-hmm. I'm picking up there. Mm. And um, again, just going back to uh, the high unemployment rates, especially youth unemployment. Now, from what you've said, it would then make perfect sense that as a society, we ought to try and prevent first-time criminality more effectively. And that means that we need to have more programs in order to actually keep people on the straight and narrow. Um, what can be done? What more can be done in that regard as we speak today? Yeah, I'm linked to the Chrysalis Academy in, in Cape Town, and that is really a model for what can be done. They're taking 200 kids every three months, take them through programs and then um, train them in various skills and then put them into jobs and look after them and link them to mentors. Um, And it's highly, highly effective. It is possible. We do know what to do. We do know how to work with these things. Um, But it's it's a matter of scale. And the big problem is not programs, uh, Sakina, because you put somebody in a program and it's great, and then you drop them back in the same situation they were in, which is unemployment and, and you know parental problems, drugs, and drugs is a huge issue that we could go on forever about. Mm. Um, it's really about path. We and the thing we're working on in, in the Western Cape is is designing paths so that these kids actually have a path out of the, the situation there by way of programs and various other things. So I mean that's you know that's just a small corner of what is a much bigger problem. We don't have um, a schooling system that's holding kids. We don't have programs, sufficient programs to hold kids. And, uh, you know, we've also there's another issue. We've become a, we became a democracy by way of civil disobedience and a refusal to be contained by law and order. And those things remain. I, I You know, I talk to people like the head of the Americans gang, and he says, well, you know, uh, you know, I was around in, in the 1980s, and, 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 you know, we didn't think about the law. And and why should I think about it now? Nothing's changed. Mm. So, you know, they, they, these are issues that people hold, and um, they don't have a respect for the law for a whole range of reasons. And it's not only because of the police themselves being effective. It's because of our whole history of defiance of the law to get to democracy. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Berger, just looking at um, uh, some of the other issues raised by the callers before the break, uh, George was essentially talking about, um, you know, a problem with the entire criminal justice system, not just the police. And then uh, Tolani was talking about uh, the intelligence and how intelligence is utilized in order to try and combat crime. And also, um, I think um, uh, Dr. Pinnock touched on the others, but um, John's point was also one that said maybe we ought to try uh, uh, start by trying to minimize or eradicate petty crime and maybe start the fight in that way yeah all very interesting questions and and it just shows people's concern with the situation that we find ourselves in and and also sort of a helplessness that seemingly very little is being done to address all of these if I just look at Johnson's comments about the little uh, crime issue, of course there's a huge debate about this. You may remember the the, the so-called uh, New York mm. model where they implemented precisely this idea with the so-called uh, broken windows approach. And the idea was there that you deal with um, less serious offenses uh, effectively and by doing so you prevent... Uh, more serious crimes from from uh, uh, occurring as well, and they they 
there is a lot of merit in that approach, Well, uh, although it also has its uh, critics. But I personally am a supporter of this. Is This is uh, correctly uh, uh, implemented as a strategy. Uh, it certainly uh, has a huge uh, uh, chance of, of achieving much of what we are looking for in terms of an overall integrated uh, strategy, which we might come back to. Just, just in terms of the comments by uh, Gulani as far as intelligence is concerned, we have been, from the Institute for Security Studies, we have been very, very critical about the ability of the crime intelligence division within the police service to uh, generate the kind of intelligence that is needed to effectively fight uh, crime. Now, we, we, we all know that internationally this is the new idea in policing. You have intelligence-driven or intelligence-led policing. You have intelligence-led investigations and so on. Now, without intelligence, very little uh, is going to happen as, as far as intelligence-driven uh, uh, or led policing is concerned. We know also with the saga and the problems uh, around uh, Richard and Lully and others, the criminal um, investigations happening there, some already dismissed at crime intelligence, huge changes there. And I think crime intelligence within the police service is still struggling to, um, to reestablish itself as an intelligence um, gathering and, and production uh, capability within the police service. George's comments, of course, in terms of uh, community action against criminals is a, is a, a, um, a question uh, that, that I think we are uh, very often asked. And, and the problem here is that there are two problems, actually. The one is that in many areas the police are certainly lacking in terms of the level of uh, service that they provide to their communities, the reaction times, attention to, to complaints from, from the public, as well as feedback to, uh, where, they, where they investigate cases, which very often doesn't happen, and that's an old, old problem. But there's also a problem uh, as far as the education of the public in general is concerned, to better understand the law. I mean, when uh, the police arrest someone, that person is brought before the magistrate and is given bail and then allowed back on the streets. People believe the police freed this person. They do not understand the legal situation. So I think there's a huge need also for uh, public education as far as uh, uh, our law and the functioning of the criminal justice system is concerned. Why are we not making inroads in the fight against crime? That's our question on the forum at 8 this morning in conversation with Dr. Johan Berger as well as Dr. Don Pinnock. And taking your calls now on 891 uh, Hughes, you're in Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, and you? Well, and you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, my concern is, uh, I think we have to look at uh, the performance of of uh, police. Police has been trained to respect and look after people and their belongings. Now, what what happened these days? People don't doesn't even trust police, include myself. I rather deal my own problem with my own problem than calling the police. Look, this story happened uh, some time ago, where 
I was stopped by, by the police, by the group of the police, and robbed my money and my cameras in the car and put me in jail for, for, for nothing. I no. ended up by sleeping no. in jail. I ended up by sleeping in jail in Seapoint police station and where uh, the, the police officer forced my signature and uh, claimed the wrong stuff that I didn't claim. Okay. So the end of story, it was, it was the same authority of police. They keep covering the, 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 their colleagues and ask me to open the case. I open a case. Nothing has been done on the case. Okay. Why the okay. meetings were set up and they saw that the person, the, the, the police officer, robbed the money and forced the signature in the book. In the book. So these days, people doesn't trust police. All right. Got you there, right. Hughes. Thanks for the call, Hughes, in Cape Town. Let's go to Hutato in Pretoria. Good morning. Hutato? Uh, morning, Kutato, that line is not great. Um, maybe you just want to move around slightly. Okay. Kutato, we've lost you there. We'll try and get you back. Tabiso in Pulukwane, good morning. Good morning, Sakina, and how are you? Well, and you? I'm fine, Sakina. Sakina, I think uh, there are a number of factors. Uh, uh, and then I'm agreeing with uh, your panelist. Uh, I mean, uh, we need to also differentiate between uh, cases that go to uh, that, that goes to court and uh, and people being released. One is that you still have a tempering of evidence, you know, uh, and saying detectives and many other factors that are affecting your your South African police service. But I think what is then important, that is my suggestion, would be that uh, you need to, you must have a situation where you, uh, my suggestion would probably be that uh, the police service should have two commissioners, one responsible for combat and the other one responsible for administration. Because my view is that uh, there are a number of uh, instances where cases get lost. You know, you have cases that are not necessarily high in the level of technology. You still have those kind of problems within the police. So my view is that if those things happen in that particular way, to a particular extent, we'll be able to. Uh, uh, manage these things of containing tracks and make sure that people are arrested because you know people just walk free because in court when you arrive in court and the police uh, and, and the case is lost obviously the case will be thrown up and you arrive in court and there's uh, shoddy evidence and the police are unable to give proper evidence maybe because of lack of training and so on and so forth obviously the case is, is going to be thrown out of court and what happens the public then lose confidence in, the, in both the legal system and and the police we ought to be able to confront this matter directly and say this is how we need to be able to do it in such a way that it will assist our police service and make sure that our police service become modern and make sure that uh, they are loved by the people as they arrest and people get convicted. All right. Uh, thank you so much for that, uh, Tabiso. Let me uh, run through some of the uh, social media uh, messages coming through. This one says, what about the morale of the police? Another one, uh, parents must just raise their kids properly. That's all. And uh, Kuis van Veik, uh, writing from, uh, uh, says, how can you expect respect or cooperation with police force whose members cannot speak the language of the community, as is the case in the Karoo? And then um, this one says, good morning, SK. People can get away with murder in our country because there's no deterrent for criminals. Another one says, um, 
the police services can only find Nando's and KFC. Most are disgustingly obese. That's from Neil in KZN. Ms. Shembe says, a morning I have never commented on anything in my life, but I would trade my life for Mr. Thele to come back to the police force. And then Ish says, you're losing the fight because the poor are getting poorer. With millions going to bed hungry, what do, you, uh, what do the haves expect them to do? Just lay down quietly and die? Uh, while they see the wealthy living large, who's really insane in this story? This unsigned SMS says closing down of the Cato Manor unit has seen crime increase. The challenge is balancing rights of criminals and those of other citizens. Anonymous says the problem in our country is that the position of the leader is functionally vacant. And Konzi's uh, response here to George is, um, in fact, it's a question. Um, Konzi wants to know from George, did the thief keep the TV for himself and also goes on to say the law must bite uh, people who steal stolen goods. Katu from Polokwane says the defense force must be brought in to help us because the police are useless. And uh, this uh, unsigned SMS says the crime rate in South Africa will never go down as long as our government wants to apply first world standard and rules to address the situation which I think is very interesting. Um, but let's just get a quick response, uh, Dr. Berger. Well, <laughs> you know, these questions and comments just, uh, just uh, illustrates the level of frustration that exists Absolutely. out there. And, and, and you cannot blame people. And, of course, many of, of the comments are absolutely uh, on target. If, if you look, for example, at uh, the comments uh, uh, about language um, of police officers or language abilities in communities. I mean, this was identified also now by the Kailicha Commission of Inquiry, um, you know, saying that uh, police officers were working uh, in a community where they are not able to speak the languages of those uh, of those uh, members of those communities. Um, they are, and if you can't speak the language uh, of, of the people that you are working with, you will not be able to take statements from them, or the statements will be extremely poor. And we mm-hmm. know from the National uh, Prosecuting Authority, one of the reasons why so many uh, police case dockets are not uh, suitable for prosecution is because of the quality of the statements in those case dockets. Also, the whole issue of morale, you know, it. In a way, this is the result, I think, of what has become a vicious circle. On the one hand, crimes are increasing uh, again at a rapid uh, uh, pace for the last few years. And this, I think, uh, puts the police increasingly under pressure. They also have to deal with unhappy uh, uh, communities that take to the streets to protest. And, and this then, again, alienates them. They draw back behind what is internationally known as the blue wall of silence, you know, the us versus them kind of scenario. So, so, and, and, and within the police service, of course, uh, I mean, we, we know there are problems with leadership. This was highlighted in the uh, National Development Plan, where it is observed that there's a serial management, a crisis of management in the police service. So all of these things, I think, contribute to to uh, huge problems with morale within the police service. So clearly, the police service uh, are in 
you know, in, in a way, they find themselves in a sort of a crisis situation at the moment. There's crime intelligence. There's the problems with the detective service. I mean, Parliament conducted the study in 2012, um, which became known as the Detective Dialogue, where they highlighted weaknesses within the detective service. We've seen senior police officers at the level of deputy national commissioners uh, being constructively dismissed from the police service. So clearly the police service are under huge uh, uh, pressures. They experience a huge amount of difficulty. So, uh, you know, I think people are justified in the criticism of the police. But we should also not forget the huge social or social problems that exist within our communities that relates to high levels of unemployment and poverty, um, you know, huge uh, uh, movements of, of people from rural areas into urban areas, creating more social problems. These cannot be dealt with by the police. It cannot be solved by the police. You need a much broader strategy that would also address these problems. Very complex problems they are. The question we're asking you is, why are we not making inroads in the fight against crime? And so many factors have been raised here, highlighted this morning. But let's just take one last call and then uh, give our panel a chance to wrap this up. Burnt in Orange Grove, good morning. Um, Good morning. I've been very interested to listen to the call um, and was quite struck by what I think it was George from KZNED was saying in terms of trying to follow up with the attack on his mother. Um, I was a victim of a swindle uh, where someone uh, confidence tricked me, became, uh, you know, did some work for me in servicing my motorbike, and after a period of months actually stole the motorbike from me. Um, I reported the crime. I then discovered that although this man had only been in our neighborhood for four months, he'd also committed robbery at his previous employer. I was just struck by the absolute passivity with which um, I was dealt with by the police. I eventually, um, with the former employer, uh, had the man arrested because he was stupid enough to go back to his place of employment. I never, ever heard again from the investigating officer, although he confronted me with the victim and then said that it was my choice whether I wanted to proceed with the charges or not. I was quite bewildered by the whole experience, which played out over two years. Mm. Um, I don't have a motorbike. I'll never buy another motorbike again because the insurance price was an absolute pittance. I know the identity of this person, and he's still driving around with my motorbike. But I'm absolutely powerless in uh, getting him charged. Um, I realize that in comparison to murder, this is a minor crime, but I just wanted to agree with the fact that This person is now set up to be a criminal for life. I don't know whether he's paying bribes. I I have no idea. I have no idea what my recourse is. And I just wanted to agree that unless we start to make every crime ethically unsound, we're not going to get ahead because we just have a sliding scale of what we consider serious crime nowadays. I would consider that theft of 100,000 rand worth in four months of being a suburb makes you a pretty serious criminal, but I guess it's not serious in comparison to taking someone's life. Byrne, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Pinnock, uh, 
Byrne talks about the passivity of the police and many others have touched on the fact that um, on on this issue of the trust deficit between the public and the police. But how do we actually get over this? You know, I I think it's the insularity of the police and the increasing pressure they're under increases that insularity, as as Johannes actually pointed out. Marikana definitely showed, uh, the Marikana Commission definitely showed how how the police sort of uh, uh, got behind their guns, as it were, and carried out orders from above. But what was really interesting is that in the Marikana uh, Commission, it was, it was clear that although the police were inefficient and that I think only 5% of any of the cases that start being investigated ever get convicted, um, that the, the, the migration, the chaos in, in the migration of people into the cities, the police are losing control completely of, of the trust of the communities and of the, of the communities themselves who are losing respect for the police. I, I don't think that, that bringing back fairly and the whole crackdown issue is, is, is going to work. I think much better detective work, much better... Uh, we in areas where where neighbourhood watches work well um, with the police, there's a lot of cooperation. I have experience with those, and you know I have nothing but praise for for what the police do in those areas when the public uh, works with them. When the public public works against them, you just have a stone wall between the police and the public, and and it really is chaotic. So it has to be more. Uh, it has to be about more connection between the the communities and the police. And however we get that together, that has to improve. Otherwise, policing will not improve. Gentlemen, unfortunately, that's where we're going to have to leave it for today. Thank you so much for your time this morning, uh, Dr. Johan Berger, a senior researcher at the Institute for Security Studies, and uh, Dr. Don Pinnock, who is a criminologist at the Center for Criminology at the University of uh, the uh, the University of Cape Town. And um, as uh, Tsepiso Mokwena says, it's a pity that the police did not uh, avail themselves to participate in this discussion this morning. And I think uh, Kosa to today kind of sums up quite nicely what many of our listeners were saying this morning. We must go back to basics, establish street committees, uh, jerk uh, crime intelligence, jerk up, and uh, known spots for targeting uh, policing. And uh, the public obviously needs to play their part in trying to solve uh, this problem.